1: Right now, I assume I am somewhere in Budapest, either sleeping or possibly in a jacuzzi as you listen to this. Uh, So we wanted to give you something to listen to while I'm out of the country. So we are rerunning our 2009-2010 documentary episode about that playoff run. So take a listen and uh, let us know what you think if you haven't heard it. And if you have heard it, of course, you have the chance to listen to it again and experience it about nine years after it all happened. Hope you enjoy. It's the summer of 2009 and the Phoenix Suns have just come off of a 46-win, no playoff season after averaging 58 wins in the previous four years. The 2008-2009 season was the second with Shaquille O'Neal, Steve Kerr, Phoenix Sun General Manager's biggest move of his up and down general management career with the team. The 2008-2009 season was also the season that Steve Kerr fired Coach Terry Porter, who was hired to be a defensive specialist and was meant to raise the team's ceiling.
3: Obviously this is a very difficult day. Uh, you know, I hired Terry because I believe in him. Uh, he's got a ton of integrity and dignity and class and he's got a great work ethic, and I hired him because I felt he was the best man for the job. Uh, I knew this team had a difficult transition ahead of it, but frankly, I probably underestimated the difficulty uh, of that transition. Uh, I think it's important that we, that we look ahead as a franchise. Um, there's a lot of basketball to be played this season, I think we can still make this a very successful season, but this was a move I think we had to make in order
1: to give our team the best chance for success. Now it's the summer, and Kerr is about to undo his other big move by dealing Shaquille O'Neal to team up with the King of Cleveland, LeBron James. Steve said the move would be good for the Suns as it creates cap flexibility and roster flexibility. This is not the Steve Kerr of 2018, the universally respected basketball savant, this Steve Kerr at the time was not very well liked by Suns fans. We saw him slowly dismantle the seven seconds or less Mike D'Antoni best show in the West teams and grind them down to Steve Nash, one of the greatest ball handlers of all time, playing off the ball while we watched Shaq post up time and time again and seem to age right before our eyes. Cap flexibility Roster flexibility, well, great things in the NBA to a general manager, nobody has ever purchased a jersey with cap flexibility on the back. Steve Kerr's reputation was now on the line and the press was catching on. Here are some quotes from a Bleacher Report article from June 2009 titled, Steve Kerr has sadly surrendered the 2009-2010 season. On the recent moves, it's unfortunate how the Suns have fallen from glory and even more unfortunate, because it's all one man's own doing. On star player Amari Stoudemire's final year of his contract. Within the coming days, Amari Stoudemire is almost certain to be dumped for cap room and garbage pieces. On the former MVP Steve Nash's player option, Nash has seemed surprisingly open about leaving the Phoenix Suns. Nash could very well opt out and become a member of the 2010 free agency class. How did a team that seemed to be on the brink of disaster make it to within one rebound and one game of the NBA Finals? Find out in today's episode of... The Timeline.
4: remember there was a lot of feeling just that it kind of was likely going to be the beginning of the end because you had dealt Marion for Shaq and then you get rid of Shaq for what amounted to uh, really not much of anything I mean you got you got the ability to claim Ben Wallace was on your roster for for a brief time but other than that there wasn't a, wasn't a lot that came out of it and uh, so you're looking at that roster and you go okay well you've got Steve Nash, who's a year older, and Amari Stoudemire, who's one year away from uh, from being a free agent, and this really is the the end of of this era. And you've got Alvin Gentry, who's still trying to keep things together, like in the way that Mike D'Antoni ran things, and you're just hoping, hoping that there's a, a glimmer of success. And, uh, and that was just kind of the feeling in that preseason that. I I remember is uh, this is probably the end one way or another and, and maybe we'll just get to see
1: something special one last time. That was Greg Esposito who covered the team at the time talking about the feeling about the team before the season began.
5: And Espo wasn't the only one feeling low on the Suns entering the season. Most NBA analysts felt the same way, a perfectly reasonable take given that the team had such a quiet offseason. As mentioned before, the team dumped Shaq on the Cavs for cap flexibility. In the draft, they selected Earl Clark, 14th overall, and Taylor Griffin, 48th. The biggest signing, Channing Frye, was on a one-year deal after the big man had his worst career year in Portland, where he averaged four points per game. Additionally, on the other side of things, Matt Barnes had started 40 games for Phoenix the year before, but he decided to sign with the championship-contending Orlando Magic. With the Suns losing Shaq and Barnes and only bringing in Frye and Clark to replace them, Here's what former son Jalen Rose had to say going into the season.
6: Future. Yes, they brought back Steve Nash. Yes, they brought back Grant Hill. But that's not enough in the Western Conference where you got Dallas improving. You got the Lakers. You got San Antonio. So for a team like the Phoenix Suns who were used to winning 55, 60-plus games over a handful of seasons, don't be surprised if they're a team on the outside looking in come playoff time.
5: Jalen's friend Bill Simmons projected a 43-win ninth-place finish. Sports Illustrated's Lee Jenkins was only slightly more optimistic than that, projecting an eighth-seed finish. And even a panel of contributors on Bright Side of the Sun all projected 48, 46, and 41 wins, respectively. The other wild card to consider here came with the announcement that Alvin Gentry would officially take over as head coach. Gentry served in an interim role the season before after the Porter firing and compiled an 18-13 and 13 record in that time. Here's Steve Kerr talking about his decision to officially promote Gentry.
3: Uh, Alvin is clearly the, the guy to, to give us the best chance for, for success going forward. He knows this team better than anybody. He's been here for the last uh, four and a half seasons. Um, he knows our personnel. He knows what makes us tick. And I'm confident that uh, we can have a
1: successful uh, remainder of our, of our season. And The team now has a coach and a roster is set expectations were relatively low at the time but the roster was still deep let's start with the bench or at least the players that played significant minutes it's important to note that while these players are known as great role players and starters now at the time there was no reason to believe that this would be the best bench in the league channing fry the sharpshooting big man in his fifth season was not known as a sharpshooter at the time in portland He averaged 28% from three. Keep in mind, this is before every team had a stretch big. His emergence as a 44% three-point shooter in this coming season was as surprising as it was vital to the team's success. Goran Dragic. This is Dragic's second season. His first stint with the Suns, known as a young point guard with no confidence at the time. Dragic needed the right coach and the right system to take him to the next level. Leandro Barbosa, the former 6th man of the year, was still peaking during this season and brought the same speed and transition and secondary ball handling that the Suns fans were used to. Jared Dudley, the 2009-2010 season is Jared's first full season with the team and still to this day is his best shooting season from the three-point arc. Lou Amundsen, the scrappy veteran in his sixth season, brought energy and rebounding in a limited but important role. Jaron Collins, one of the Suns' many twins, a veteran, lauded for his great demeanor and locker room presence. And now, the starting lineup for your Phoenix Suns! A 6'6 guard from Michigan State University, Jason Richardson. A seven-foot-center from Stanford University, Robin Lopez. A 6'8 forward from Duke University, Grant Hill. 6'10 forward from Orlando, Florida, Amare Stoudemire. A 6'3 guard from Santa Clara University, Steve Nash. This is a veteran starting lineup led by an unlikely All-Star in a 35-year-old Steve Nash. It also includes prime Amari Stoudemire, a 27-year-old power forward, prime Jason Richardson at 29 years old, and Grant Hill, who was nearing the end of his career at 37 years old. Robin Lopez was just starting his at 21 years old. Without Lopez, the starting lineup averaged an age of 32 years old. The bench is deep, the starting lineup is old, and the expectations are low. The season is set to begin, so how did they play? Well, they played well. Very well. Nash. Now it's a three. There's Dudley.
6: Boy, Dudley has really played well. Pick and roll, Scott Meyer. Down Main Street!
7: Elevates and detonates! Ash-ho! And a foul! Hill gets inside and finishes down the other end. Nice fast break for the Suns. And looking at a pass for Richardson. That's a three. And Phoenix goes up by five, a 7-0 run. People don't understand the pass that Steve Nash just made. Outstanding ability to see and make plays. Up ahead, look out. Hello! Amari
6: Stottemeyer elevates and detonates. Are you kidding oh, me? Devastating dunk here in Oakland.
7: Grand Hill on the pull-up. You know, we talked so much Jeff about Steve
8: Nash and his eighth ways playing. Grand Hill is playing some real strong basketball as well.
6: Pass behind the back star. Booze from the crowd. His fifth assist already. No other player in the NBA. This guy is the MVP of, I mean, this is incredible. You can make a highlight off just this game. again about our
1: The team jumped out to an incredible 14-3 start. And seven seconds or less was back. The ball was moving, the team was running, and the fan base was rejuvenated, as Greg Esposito puts it.
4: It was probably the most surprising run short of that uh, th- that first year of Hornacek, uh, just because you knew there were still quality guys. I mean, you still had Nash, but you knew he was past his prime, and same for Amari, but you get out to this fast start and all of a sudden you go, this might be one of those special situations. I remember Channing Fry uh, just started to click and and you go, okay, well maybe this locker room uh, is going to be one of those special locker rooms that that camaraderie and being a real team is going to be able to carry them uh, further than uh, than maybe the, the parts individually, but as a whole, the sum of those parts uh, could be something special.
5: This team was succeeding because it featured dominant shooting that we simply hadn't seen from the Suns in a couple of years. For the first 17 games, the team was shooting a league leaning 45% from three, up from just 38% the year before. Volume was up in addition to efficiency as the team went from 17 three-point attempts per game to over 23 By late November, the Suns simply blitzed opponent after opponent. They finished the month with four straight blowout wins. A 26-point win against Detroit, 15 against Memphis, 25 against Minnesota, and 21 against Toronto. After serving the Raptors a beatdown on their home floor to improve to 14-3 officially, now familiar face and then-Toronto head coach Jay Triano told ESPN, quote, it comes down to three-pointers. They're the best three-point shooting team in the league. Through all of this hot streak, Steve Nash was the dependable and efficient monster that Suns fans had come to expect. He averaged 16 points and 12 assists on 54% shooting throughout the stretch and on only 32 minutes per game, a significant step back from the 35 to 36 that he was used to during the Mike D'Antoni days. But the real catalyst here was the play from the lesser known guys. In one of the most rapid transformations in recent NBA history, Channing Frye went from a bricklayer to a sharpshooter in one offseason. Fry, a career 29% three-point shooter coming into that year, shot 47% from downtown in the team's 14-3 stretch. He was averaging 13-6 in just under 30 minutes per game, and he had more 20-point performances in that opening month than he did in two full seasons with the Portland Blazers. Other bench players continued to bring the spacing as well. At this point in the season, Dudley was shooting 46% from deep, Barbosa 41%, and Dragic 39%. Other teams were simply no match for the Suns' new-look bench headed into this year.
1: It wasn't all blowouts and fun for Suns fans, though. The team followed up their surprise October-November 14-3 and start with two losing months in December and January. In both months, the team went 7-9, and nine, including getting blown out by 27 points against the Knicks in the first game in December, followed by another 27-point loss to the Cavs the very next day. The Suns did not win two games in a row until the last two games of December.
4: Oh, it was, uh, okay, well this kind of seems more like what we expected. You know, it was, we're coming back down to earth and, and that's all right. I had the fast start, gave, gave you a cushion to play with. And 7-9, and nine, well, not great, isn't as bad as it could have been.
1: Here's an interesting thing about December of 2009. This was the last time the Suns played on Christmas Day. In that Christmas Day game, the Suns blew out the Los Angeles Clippers by 31 points in L.A. Who knows when the Suns will play on Christmas next? January was another rough month for the team and included an 0-4 East Coast road trip, and some shooting slumps. The press is now pouncing, and the trade deadline is now approaching. Here are some titles of articles written in early 2010. Bleacher Report wrote, NBA Trade Rumors, Where Will Amare Stoudemire End Up? Valley of the Suns wrote, Amare Stoudemire Trade Rumors, Why a Philly Deal Involving Igudala Would Be the Sun's Best Bet? Bright Side of the Sun wrote the much more sensible headline titled Making Some Sense of All the Amare Stoudemire Trade Rumors and Extension Talks. The team ended the month of January with a 29-21 record and were on track to match the disappointing predictions given to them at the beginning of the season. Where do they go from here? I played with Amari Stoudemire in the Phoenix
6: Suns my last year in the NBA, and all I have to say to that team is this. Do not trade Amari. Are you kidding me? Here's a guy that's basically over 20 points, nine rebounds, an all-star, your cornerstone to your team's future. Basically, I used to call him the LeBron James of the interior. You need to keep this guy in the fold if you're the Phoenix Suns.
5: The Suns ended up sticking with their guns and refused to trade Stoudemire, despite plenty of rumors about the Cavs offering up a package surrounding 21-year-old power forward J.J. Hickson. Had that trade gone down, Steve Kerr might have been laughed out of the NBA eight years ago. And sure enough, the team caught fire once again. They went 9-3 and three in February, with their lone three losses coming against tough playoff teams in Portland, Dallas, and San Antonio. 21-year-old Robin Lopez caught fire this month, averaging 13 points and 7 rebounds per game on 59% shooting from the field. In late February, he thoroughly dominated the Clippers with a career game, posting a career-high 30 points and 12 rebounds in 37 minutes. Amari also seemed to take the trade rumors to heart because he absolutely turned it on in the second half of the season. After a slow start, he was back to his old self, averaging twenty six ten on fifty six percent shooting after February first.
7: With Dan, it's a nice move by Stoudemire. Stoudemire, rip, right, it. it down the lane, pick and roll. Stoudemire,
8: up high, down hard. Please ring it inside to Stoudemire. Count it, and it's foul!
5: Whenever someone slowed down, another player was there to pick it up. Jason Richardson started turning it on in March, averaging 20 points per game that month on 48% shooting from three-point range.
2: And, um, you know, being in the league, going you know, my eighth year, you know, I did all the scoring I possibly can. It's all about winning now, so I'm willing to sacrifice if it takes for us to win.
5: Still, this team was not without its own set of obstacles. Robin Lopez sustained a back injury in late March that would keep him out for all of April and most of the playoffs. But the Suns still finished with a 17-4 record in the final two months. Jaron Collins was thrust into the starting lineup for about 10 minutes per game in Lopez's absence, terrifying Suns fans with his poor finishing ability and his general lack of mobility. But that didn't stop the team from taking down 50-plus win teams like San Antonio, Denver, and Utah all in the last couple of weeks. Above all, this team featured a cast of characters that were simply fun to follow, whether it was team videos of them singing on the bus, All night long, all night, all night, all Joking about Jared Dudley's amazing athletic hands. Jared Dudley has the most athletic hands, not only in the
3: NBA, but in the history of the earth. I wikipedia'd it, I googled it, I did all the research, proof is in the pudding. Most athletic hands ever.
5: Or whether it was just tracking down how many high fives Steve Nash averaged per game.
7: You kept track of how many times he touched another man's butt? That's just what they pay me to do,
5: Grant. This team was connected to its fan base online in a way that most sports teams simply weren't back in 2010. Remember, this was before every athlete out there had a Twitter account. The Suns finished the season with a 54-28 and record officially and they needed every single one of those wins because the West was insanely tough. The first-seeded Lakers and eighth-seeded Thunder were separated by just seven games. Dallas, Denver, Utah, Portland, San Antonio, OKC, these were all 50-win teams, and the general consensus was that anybody could take anybody else out in the first round. Still, NBA experts like CBS analysts Ken Berger and Jason Horowitz were now calling the Suns the hottest team in the league headed into the playoffs. They're coming in uh, on a high to to clinch the three seed and and home court advantage. When you look at this team, are they playing better than anybody else heading into the playoffs? With the possible exception of Orlando, I mean, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. Certainly in the Western Conference, uh, they're they're on a real roll. They're they they're they're playing great. It all starts with Steve Nash, but now they have Amari Stoudemire, who's back playing at an all-star level, really a dominant player. And you know, uh, the the Canby acquisition,
2: Marcus Canby, in that regard, is going to be huge for Portland because otherwise they'd have nobody to keep him, you know, out of the out of the paint.
1: Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, the playoffs.
5: Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this episode so far, whether it's your first time listening or whether you're listening to it again. Quickly, I wanted to let you know, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code code blue. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. And then also, just one more announcement from us, Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for the past 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee, if you don't love your shave, Let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your Razor for $3. That's it for us. Uh, Regarding this, guys, thank you so much. Hope you're enjoying the episode. And now, the playoffs.
1: Phoenix entered round one of the playoffs as the three seed matched up against the Portland Trailblazers, a six seed that had injury problems all year long. Portland was a team headlined by a big three of Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge, and the number one pick, Greg Oden. But they entered this series with LaMarcus Aldridge being the only healthy player of those three potential stars. That doesn't mean that Portland is an easy out though. They still had veteran Andre Miller and Nick Batum, players who know what it takes to win. Steve Blake, Marcus Camby, Rudy Fernandez, Travis Outlaw, Jared Bayless all rounded out this team that was deep with guys that can play, and they proved it in Game 1. Jason Richardson drew the Andre Miller assignment in Game 1, and Andre bullied him. He ended the game with 31 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, and 3 steals, all of that on only one 3-point attempt. The game ended 105-100 Portland. In Phoenix who ended the season so well, surrendered their home court advantage in Game 1, allowing Portland to be the only team to win their first game matchup on the road of the 2010 playoffs.
0: Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here. Today I'm going to go over the Portland-Phoenix series, Game 1. Now here you can see uh, Jason Richardson guarding Andre Miller and Nash guarding Fernandez. This is a mistake because Jason Richardson's a terrible defender, and look what happens. Now, the real way to stop an alley-oop like this isn't to guard the guy dunking the ball. It's to put more pressure on the ball handler so he can't make an easy pass. Now, watch Jason Richardson's effort while guarding Andre Miller. It's terrible. He's not in a stance. He gets picked off here, and Miller goes right to the basket for a foul.
1: Games two and three, Jason Richardson had had enough.
7: Blazers three for nine to start. Phoenix out running. Richardson lays it in. Now come the Suns three on two long to Richardson from Nash. Four-point swing right there. Blazers had numbers. And you've got to look when Nash had rebound fry. Richardson leaks out. Got behind Baylitz. Traveled with the ball underneath and reversed it in. Blazers had looked like they were going to charge back. They lose track of Richardson. Deal Nash to a wide-open Richardson. Looking for the call, but the shot was blocked. Nash back in transition. Richardson open three down. Richardson going right back to work and wanted the foul as well. Got in there, got Shaq. Kind of went against what they are. Richardson cancels out any hopes of the Portland run there. Nash. Richardson, on a tee. Well, I'll tell you, he is, he's closing his eyes 10 for 15
1: and just red
7: hot. Don't get near it.
1: Jason absolutely went off. In game two, he had a game high 29 points. And in game three, he had his career playoff high of 42 points. And that was in front of Portland's home crowd. And the team was clicking again. Both games were blowouts, and it seemed clear the Suns were going to take the series back after proving that the veterans had what it takes. Steve Nash ended Game 2 with 13 points and 16 assists, which would have been a playoff career high for a lesser player. The assist total was boosted by the rest of the team nailing shots at a higher clip than Game 1, shooting 40% from 3 as a team and over 50% from the field. The offense was humming, and the team scored 119 points in Game 2, while holding the Trailblazers to just 90 points. This was the team that Suns fans were waiting for, and it continued in Game 3, with 108 points scored, and holding Portland to only 89 points. Everyone was filling their roles. Grant Hill and Dudley were bringing energy and defense, Channing Fry came off the bench, closed games by providing spacing for Amari to run the paint, and of course Steve Nash was orchestrating all of it, like the conductor he is.
4: You know, after the regular season and being surprised surprised kind of with the way this team came together, uh, you know, a game one loss wasn't all that concerning because you saw this team uh, and the way that they just, the camaraderie between them. and You knew that losing losing one game that first game and and technically losing home court there too it just it wasn't something that was going to rattle these guys because they they knew not many people expected uh, expected a lot from them and they came out uh, so well in that in that regular season I think that game one loss was a little surprising but I don't think it really was one of those where you went oh okay well that's that's it. It's been a fun ride, but this is uh this is over. So no, you knew you knew that they had fighting them and they were gonna come back out in games two and three showed that. The
5: Blazers rallied back in game four and held the Suns to their worst offensive performance of the playoffs. Brandon Roy notably returns in this one, but he scored only ten points in twenty-six minutes off the bench. Lamarcus Aldridge was the real threat here, torching Amari to the tune of a thirty-one point eleven rebound performance. On the other side of the court, the Suns simply died by the three, where they shot only 26% from downtown. They kept the game close all the way until midway through the fourth quarter, but a few critical turnovers from Nash and a flagrant foul from Fry in the clutch handed the game over to Portland. Final score 96-87, to and the series is now tied 2-2. It was a valiant effort from a banged-up Portland team, and more than enough to make the Suns and their fan base sweat. But Phoenix came out in games five and six and proved that their hot streak to close the season was no fluke. The Blazers came out with a strong opening quarter in game five, but the Suns bench blew the game wide open in the second, and the team never looked back. By halftime, it was a 10-point lead, and by the final buzzer, the Suns had won by 19 to take a 3-2 series lead. This was undoubtedly a bench game, as Channing Fry led the way with 20 points and 8 rebounds in 27 minutes against his former team. Dudley chipped in as well with 19 points, 5 threes, and a ridiculous team high plus 36 on the court. Game 6 was the only Phoenix win that wasn't a blowout in the series, but it wasn't particularly close either. The Suns were up 12 by halftime and ended up winning the game 99-90, to Thanks to a combined 50 points from Richardson and Stoudemire. Jay Rich clearly led the way overall in this opening round, averaging 24 points and 7 rebounds on 53% shooting. The Suns move on, and every single Western Conference first-round series ends in 6 games.
1: The Phoenix Suns advanced and are now set to play. The San Antonio Spurs. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, George Hill, Richard Jefferson, and Antonio McDice. This was the team that Suns fans feared. To beat them would be therapeutic, exercising demons from years past. But could they pull it off? Felt inevitable that this was going to be another crushing defeat
4: at the hands of the Spurs in some kind of dramatic fashion that ended a storybook run for this team. It's been fun, but we know how this is going to end because Greg Popovich and the Spurs had the Suns number. We move to the second round of the NBA playoffs on a
8: spectacular evening in Phoenix, Arizona. The U.S. Airways Center is filled to capacity as the seventh-seeded San Antonio Spurs take on the third-seeded Phoenix Suns with the backdrop of a lot of memorable games between these.
1: Game one, the vaunted Spurs defense was forcing Nash, who had a hurt hip at the time, to be a scorer early in the game. But that turned out to be a mistake. Nash was hitting from everywhere and the home crowd was loving it. Pull up from three, right side layup, left side mid-range, guaranteed points from the line. Nash ended the first quarter with 17 points and the Spurs defense was on their heels.
8: It dies with a late close by Stoudemire and a rebound by Steve Nash playing with a bad right hip. A hip gets Hooks on
7: Hill with the left hand and puts it up and in. Well good sign there by the Phoenix Suns It looks like Nash was doing pretty well in that play. They're going to keep the pace of this game up.
8: Collins' a screen on Hill opens
7: the door for Nash and so Doug Nash is gone to the right. Two times. Well, if you want to know what the defensive key is going to be in this series, it's who's going to be able to defend screen rollback. Been watching Nash, and Steve goes again inside. He's got three layups in a row. Here comes
8: Donovan, he goes outside to Nash, working on him. slides by Jefferson Doug with ease. He's going inside. Usually it's the San Antonio guards that drive inside the lane, and Popovich has got to find some way to stop Nash from getting inside. He's Nash for free. Steve Nash has been. Incredible on the start tonight. 11 points, 5 of 5 from the field. Eight minutes. And here's a move inside by Steve Nash, who scoops it home and comes up with his 13th point
7: in the first quarter. Watch how he splits that pick and roll, Kevin. He He's a master. Nash you now, seconds remain in the first quarter.
1: Margaret is there. Count it for two and a five. The game opened up for the Suns once the Spurs' game plan went awry. Nash was dropping passes to everyone. Richardson was slashing, hitting threes, and the Suns ended the second quarter up by 10. I could get out and run a beautiful
7: pass by Nash. That's what happens when you take a shot. You better get back against the Phoenix Suns. They're going to run on makes. And they're going to run on misses, and they're going to run for 48 minutes.
1: The Spurs never go away. Within four minutes of the third quarter, the game is tied with a Tony Parker mid-range jumper. Within another minute, the Spurs take the lead with a Manu Ginobili three, but nevertheless, Nash persisted. He never stopped penetrating, getting into the paint using screens from every side of the court. This was a 35-year-old using his best attribute, his brain. Shots were coming at the rim and from three, Channing from the wing, Jay Rich Duncan transition, Grant Hill from mid range, and suddenly the Suns are up by 10 at the end of the third quarter. Fourth quarter is back and forth. One minute and 30 seconds left in the game, Nash takes a high screen from Amari, who rolls immediately just as Grant Hill curls around to take the pass from Nash at the elbow. Grant immediately passes to an open Jason Richardson at the wing for a wide open three, and he nails it. The Suns are now up by 8 with a minute and 23 seconds to go, and that proved to be the final nail in the coffin. Suns win
8: 111-102. The backlash over Arizona's new immigration laws spreading from the statehouse to the hardwood, the baseball diamond, and beyond. Michelle Steele has the story. Michelle? Hey, Deidre. Yeah, last night the Phoenix Suns played basketball. And politics, you know, it had to do with Arizona's controversial new immigration law. Steve Nash and his teammates wore jerseys that said Los Suns in their playoff game against San Antonio. Now, the team's owner said the team wore the jerseys to celebrate diversity. It was Cinco de Mayo, after all, and they're also protesting the new immigration bill. Now, whether the Suns or Los Suns...
1: Game 2.
8: For Game Two of this Western Conference Semifinal, featuring the seventh-seeded San Antonio Spurs and the number three Phoenix Suns, with Hall of Famer Doug Collins and Marty Snyder patrolling our sidelines tonight. Let's take a look at the Taco Bell starting lineups. This is Kevin Harlan, George Hill, Doug.
1: Early on in the game, the Spurs were on a mission to prove that this was not the same team as Game One. Parker was on fire, making his first four shots of the game. Tim Duncan had 17 points in the first half, but the Suns still kept it close. Amare tied the game with only 39 seconds left in the first half with a ridiculous jam from a picture-perfect pocket pass by Steve Nash.
8: Pick and
1: the third quarter was back and forth, but the Suns' shooting prevailed when it counted clutch shots from hill from midrange kept the suns in the lead amari kept delivering with jam after jam and despite a 29 point effort by tim duncan the suns put the spurs away 110 to 102 the suns now have a two-game lead partially thanks to the efforts of jared dudley
0: and let's talk to steve nash you and i talked yesterday about how this was the most important game of this series what character came out in your team tonight steve well, I thought we
3: showed a lot of character. You know, Jared, I thought was player of the game. Uh, he came in and got a bunch of offensive rebounds, hustle plays. Um, our second unit gave us a lift. I thought we came out a little bit nervous, and and, and we got kind of passive because of that, and, and we hung in there, you know, uh, proud of my team. Why do you think you guys were nervous to start off with? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some days just like that. I'm not even sure. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just felt like we were missing shots we make. We were rushing a little bit. We weren't quite in rhythm, so... You know, we were hurrying, things that we didn't need to hurry, and it's just uncharacteristic of our team. You win the game without this kid over here and his energy? No way. He was huge. Uh, You know, played well the whole game, but especially, you know, when we were really struggling early. You know, he gave us a big boost with three kind of uh, offensive rebounds and ones. He did a great job.
1: Game 3.
6: Two games in, the Phoenix Suns are enjoying their most commanding postseason lead in a decade over a Spurs team that sent them packing the last four playoff meetings. Leading 2-0, the Suns halfway to revenge, making Friday night's Game 3 in San Antonio an absolute must win for the Spurs. Tony Parker back in the starting lineup for the first time in two months, replacing his replacement, George Hill, who has struggled through the first two games. Tony Parker uh, not struggling at all at the beginning of this one, averaging 23 points per game the first two of the series only 10 on Friday night on 5 of 17 shooting on the other end Jason Richardson laying it in 14 points in the first half for him Matt Botter contributing he knocks down the three from the wing Spurs led by nine after one and playing some defense in this one DeJuan Blair the rookie with the block and then Little offense working on Amari Stoudemire. Take that. Puts it up and in. 35-21 at that point. The Spurs cooking with Crisco. George Hill pull up. It's an 18-point lead. But the Suns refuse to go away. Leandro Barbosa for three. Steve Nash not looking to Amari Stoudemire, who brings the house down. That's worth a second look. Nasty stuff there. Only seven points on the night for Amari on 3-of-10 shooting on the other end it's Manu step back you'll take it and you'll like it Sun still within 6 after break after trailing by 18 in this one in the third down it's Grant Hill the season one pull up Jay two of his 18 on the evening Steve Nash, he had 16 his Jay is gonna go it's a two-point game all of a sudden Spurs answering it's Manu Three up and three down, 27 in the game for him. Antonio McDice, looking like a young man, rebound and the jam. Richardson answering back though. Three up and three down. Suns, as I mentioned, just would not go away in this one. A resilient bunch. Jr. knocking it down once again. He had 21 points in the ball game. Suns still coming. Gordon Dragon.
8: chance. What a oh, great Drogic. Switches hands and the Suns have their first lead of the night. Be able to keep Barbosa from getting to the basket. One of time. Drogic puts the brakes on, stops on a dime, spins and hits. Well, Drogic taking
3: advantage of the switch. The bigger Duan Blair cannot stay with him. Great up fake.
6: Goes to the right hand and again this time it's Parker. Jump stop, pivot. Bill Bressel. Make a couple mistakes, that's fine. No, so
8: just feel breath. Alright. Nothing. Well, this is quite a second unit they've got. Drogic, I guess. Yes. Keep being aggressive on Dragic
7: show here the last few minutes. Well again, it's the it's the switch. Duncan's on him. Does a nice job of taking his top three points. And they're working as a tandem again. Drogic
8: oh knocks goodness. it down. <laughs> he was just looking for the foul and three free throws, and he hit the shot. Are they going to give him the three? Holy cow, what a shot! I think they're going to check Let's to see, if, see if it was a two or a three. That's a three. I think it was. I think that's a three. How in the world. Boy, he aggressive. And sure enough, this guy's got
6: a shot to be the hero to shoot the ball as well as he did the first half. And here they are. Great attack of Tim Duncan. And this kid right here is the show
7: right now it's th- he's done everything the three ball jump stops in the lane
0: over tim duncan four point plays dragic and the Suns looking to take a commanding three nothing well, that, means, that means you got a heck of a bench man. Right? and this team has a heck of a bench for bailing them out time and time again oh here
8: we go <laughs> their bench is going nuts Looks like they might get blown out early Oh, this, is, this is unbelievable. Great aggressive move. That's what I'm talking about, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Completely took apart the starting unit of the Spurs. This would be the exclamation point. Oh, goodness. That's the capper right there. A sensational night for the second-year player. Goran Dragic, 26 second-half points. Phoenix, a commanding 3 to nothing lead. For Antarokic, this is your night.
7: First of all, with all you've been through, through your career, tell me what it feels like to have a performance like this for the Suns against the San Antonio Spurs, a team that they've struggled with so much. Yeah. I, I work hard for this, mo- for this moment, so it's re- I'm really happy for this, and it's great in playoffs against San Antonio. San Antonio is
2: a great team, so just I'm really happy for that.
7: Scoreless in the first half,
4: exploded 26 points in the second half. What changed? Not, I was just talking with the
5: coach. Coach said, don't, don't, don't be shy, just be aggressive and attack the basket, and, I, and in the second, and third, and fourth quarter, I just did it. <laughs> uh, that
4: quarter that he had, in San Antonio was, was just unbelievable. It was, it was a, a storybook, you know, Gordon wasn't, you know, a lot of us remember him more for that second stint uh, that he was here and, and being more of a leader, but he was, he was still Steve's backup, you know, and and he comes out and he just, he just played so well. And he, he was so, uh, just, it was just so refreshing to see finally a, a member of the Suns, Come out and rip the heart out uh, of the Spurs, and and I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that moment uh, as a fan was just something that was so unbelievable. And I know how special it was uh, for Gorin and and what he was what he was able to do there.
8: Game four of this Western Conference Semifinal playoff game. With Hall of Famer Doug Collins and Marty Snyder, Kevin Hall, and a look now at the Taco Bell starting lineups. The Suns' bench has garnered as much praise as the stars. Grant Hill, though, has had a terrific series so far. The Spurs, with a lot riding on Manu Ginobili's performance, will need a collective effort, Doug Collins, to play another day. He's on top by four.
5: Game 4 in San Antonio began, and the Spurs were playing with an urgency that we hadn't seen throughout that series. They absolutely bottled up the Phoenix offense in the first quarter, as Pop commanded his bigs to do everything in their power to hedge the screen and roll and trap Nash, forcing the ball out of his hands. It worked, and the Spurs ended the first quarter up 25-19. to Nash was held to just two points and one assist. But that wouldn't last long. The bench dragged Phoenix back to a tie game in the second, and then the starters took back the lead. An eight-point surge from Channing Frye brought the Suns up to 11 in the early third quarter. Everything was going absolutely great until an all-too-familiar sight happened.
8: oh Nash is bleeding. we well, have
7: seen this before. And I can just hear the people in Phoenix. Oh, no, here we go again. This, uh, Everything that can go wrong are up seven. You see what happens here as Nash steps in. Ooh, right there, the elbow catches him inadvertently, and Duncan, with a concentration, kisses it off the glass.
5: An inadvertent elbow from Tim Duncan caught Nash in the right eye, forcing him to leave the game and get stitches. He'd be back, but not until the fourth quarter. And that allowed San Antonio just enough time to cut their deficit to one point.
4: Yeah, again, it's another one of those. You, you see Steve Nash bleeding, and... Uh... I think it was. there's something about Mary in the line, we get a bleeder. Like that's all I would ever hear when Steve would inevitably get hurt like that. You see it against the Spurs and it just brings back every memory you had about the hip check and Bruce Bowen's dirty moves of sticking his feet under guys as they're coming down for uh, coming down off jump shots and you're just watching it and you go, no, just don't be the turning point. Don't have yet another just, you know, Awful, awful moment. It just a what felt like another dirty moment, you know, turn into uh, the reason the Suns can't get past the Spurs.
5: Entering the fourth, the score stood seventy-two to seventy-one. Steve Nash returned to the fourth quarter on a mission.
8: We told you before, twelve points, at career high, a three by Nash. God, <laughs> Steve Nash with his first
7: field goal. Since one minute left in the first half. Here's Steve Nash wow. once again getting inside, and this guy is trying to wheel his team to victory. By is swollen shut, he's all about the heart of a champion. He may not have an NBA championship, but this is a guy right here. Look at this. The most playoff games without reaching the NBA Finals. Number one is Steve Nash.
8: Screen by Nash. Stoudemire hits the shot with the point guard set in the pit. That's the hill, off count it! Another great pass by Nash, count the two, Dudley, fighting inside, 15 points, and again Nash, with one eye shot, gets another assist, Hill picks up his third for San Antonio.
5: He finished a fourth with 10 points and 5 assists in the quarter, and 20 points and 9 assists in the game total. That didn't stop the Spurs from making one more run. Oh,
8: boy. Yeah. Yeah, for three. <laughs> oh.
7: A beautiful play for George Hill, and Amari Stoudemire commits a Cardinal sin, fouling a three-point shooter.
5: But Grant Hale made two clutch free throws, and when the final buzzer sounded, the Suns emerged victorious. With a 107-101 victory, the Suns had swept the Spurs following four straight series defeats to them. In the locker room after the game, the team could finally take a quick sigh of relief. The
6: way we approach the game... You know, just like I talked about, we played it just like it was the first game of the playoffs. We played it just like we had to keep our home court. You know, hey, now we got another series coming up. Let everybody doubt us. Let everybody doubt us. That's okay. That's fine. They've been doubting us since October. They picked us 11th in the West. That's okay. As long as everybody in here believes in what we're doing, that's the only thing that matters. Let all the other experts say whatever they want, okay? okay?
4: In the end, sweeping the Spurs, getting that uh, proverbial monkey off your back—that uh, that three thousand-pound gorilla that you've been carrying around—was uh, was something just just truly special. And that's when you started to think, okay, this could be one of those teams of destiny. This could be something that that really is exciting for this city. And then we realized, wait, nope. You finished with the Spurs, but now you got the Lakers, and, and, and that's, a, that's a whole other uh, rivalry that you're going to have to uh, overcome the demons of the past if you want to make the
6: finals.
0: The B.S. Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects.
1: First of all, this
6: is The
0: B.S. Report
6: with
1: Bill Simmons. It might be cool, I don't know. And if it's not, I don't care. The B.S. Report with
5: Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons works for ESPN. He's also named the sports guy, and he writes a comical sports column. He must be a popular dude. The B.S. Report. It's got a real dirty sound, like a rusty steak knife. Cutting through
1: a well-aged state. Now. Now. No. Here's Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report Monday
0: afternoon in sunny California. On the line, the one man who has survived the BS Report jinx from the Phoenix Suns. He's on the Subway Fresh Tech Hotline. Jared Dudley, congratulations on the big sweep.
2: Hey, man. Hey, it was big for us. Big for Phoenix today. Getting that sweep, man. I'm happy. i happy I could be a part of it.
1: You guys kind of felt
0: after Game Two, because I happened to be in the locker room that day. It seemed like you guys were pretty confident that you could actually go into San Antonio—not maybe not sweep, but definitely win a game. Were you surprised by the sweep?
2: You know, I was definitely surprised. I Man, we were confident all along. You know, we we wanted to play the Spurs. We played well with them during the regular season. We knew playoffs would be different, but this this was—you know—we had home court advantage and we got up 2-0. Our mindset is uh, we can definitely win one. We thought in the regular season we should have beat them at their place, but uh, Jay Rich missed that one dunk. But to go in there and sweep them like we did, I don't think anyone can imagine it, but it was perfect, especially for guys like Steve and Amari.
5: And heading into the Spurs series, you probably, because this was your first one, but you could probably sense in Phoenix there was a there was that feeling of, uh-oh, here are the Spurs. They're going to come ruin everything. Do um, you, you guys –
0: How do you tune that out?
2: Well, you know, to be honest with you, I took it as a challenge. I took it, you know, you could definitely feel in a locker room that it was a little more tense in the sense that the guys wanted this one a lot more than than most ones. You could tell Steve, I know he mentioned to me before, he's never been the Spurs ever in his career in playoffs. He was more serious. He was more vocal in the locker room before the games about this. Um, And in the city, uh, on my Twitter page it was always telling me that hey you know do this one for me Jerry you know we've never beat him so um, we kind of zoned out the way hey man let's go in there let's, let's take care of business we're supposed to win we have home court advantage and, and let's do what we're supposed to do and that's what we did
1: and that was the end of the season and nothing else happened right Okay, maybe not. The Suns still had the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, but we don't want to bum you out by going into every detail of every game. But there are some worthy storylines. The Lakers won wire-to-wire games in games 1 and 2, and they were relatively uneventful games. The only real storyline was Leandro Barbosa getting shoved to the ground and cutting his head open on a camera under the basket, the second Phoenix Sun to get stitches in the playoffs. Game three was much more fun for Suns fans. Nash had fifteen assists, and Robin Lopez, who came back from injury in this series, was eight for ten in this game with twenty points. Amari Stoudemire had a great game as well, and guess what? He bled. His nose was cut open on a foul late in the third quarter. This Suns team never gave up, though. This was the year that Amari's face-up game really shined, and it was evident in this game. On mid-range shots or just beating his man off the dribble, he was relentless. A 9-1 run by Phoenix in the fourth quarter was basically the end of the game. And Suns fans got to see the team win at home in the Western Conference Finals for the first time in years. Amari Stoudemire had a ridiculous 42 points in Game 3 on 14-22 shooting and 11 rebounds. How would they fare in Game 4, the next game at home?
6: Game four of the West Finals back at U.S. Airways Center. The Suns with life after taking a crucial game three to make it a 2-1 series. Headed into Tuesday night's action. Kobe Bryant coming up 36 point 11 36 assists, 9 nine-rebound performance. In a losing effort, not enough to outdo Amari's monstrous 42 in game three. How would things turn out on Tuesday? To the highlights we go. Grant Hill knocks down the J. Andrew Bynum. Played only seven and a half minutes in game three. Scored 12 points in 25 minutes on Tuesday night. Still in the first, Jason Richardson. Free up, free down. Ties the game at 23 all. Second quarter now. It's Goran Dragic to Lou Amundsen. He throws it down. Take a second look. Nice feed The patient Amundsen. Taking it up and rocking the rim. You know, Channing Frye was one of 20 in the series. Before this bucket, he had missed his last 17 tries. He was cooking in this game. So was Kobe Bryant. He knocks down the tray. 53-47 game, and there's Frye popping like fish grease. Three of five from distance in the first half. 11 points, the only son in double figures. Kobe, the most interesting man in the world. 15 points in the first half, all in the second quarter. Amar Sotomayor making it happen, 21 on the night for him. In the third now, good ball movement from the Lakers. Kobe, once again, sinking the tray. Kobe dishing this time. Pau Gasol underneath two of his 15 points. He also added five rebounds. Then there's Mr. Bryan again. Ooh-wee. He was crazy in this one. Kobe, again, 16 in the third tie of the game at 81-all. Then check out the pass here. Jared Dudley to Amundsen underneath Phoenix, back out by two. Then there's Fry once again, cooking. Came out of his horrendous shooting slump. He had four trades, 14 points. We spot Shadow here because Leandro Barbosa is just, just wide open. Just ridiculously wide open. He knocks it down. Dragic driving, kicking out to Dudley, who knocks in the triple. Suns bench outscored LA's 54-20 in this one. And here's Dragic, showing you how. There's two of them. Just making Derek Fisher look silly. Ugh. Straight out of Rucker Park was that one. Off the miss. Kyle Gasol throwing it down. Suns up six late. A buck and a half left. 97-106, and Kobe gets it to go, plus the foul. 38 points, 10 assists, and 7 rebounds. But the Suns respond, Grant Hill, the seasoned one, hits it. As Phoenix evens the series at two games apiece, the series now shifts back to L.A. for Game 5 Thursday night.
1: Game 5, nothing really happened, right? Hold on, are we not going to talk about the... Uh, Alvin
4: Gentry throwing up in a trash can fried <laughs> avocado moment, okay. the best moment of the entire playoff run, where somehow it gets reported that Alvin Gentry had bad fried avocado, and that's why he throws up in a trash can on the sideline during a game live on national television. I can't imagine a moment that's more embarrassing for a human being outside of getting pants during a a live NBA playoff game than throwing up in a trash can like that. And Alvin Gentry takes after Steve Nash in that moment and says, I don't care. I'm still coaching this team. Literally throwing up in a garbage can and yelling out uh, plays and, and signals for his team. That was dedication. Probably my favorite moment of that entire run because Nobody's eaten a fried avocado, and it wasn't what Alvin Gentry ate, but that's what got reported, and that's what sticks in everybody's mind.
6: They
8: have played 24 minutes here at Staples Center in Game 5 of the Western Conference Final Series, tied at 2. And the Lakers on top 53-45. to 45. For much of the first half, Alvin Gentry feeling the effects of a Oh. Deep-fried
7: avocado! That's exactly wow. what you exactly oh. get for eating avocado. Uh, <laughs> the
8: avocados are good, but, good but I you. guess the deep-fried... Possibly, oh.
7: oh. possibly not oh.
8: sitting we, we, too we well. Did it with we the coach. well.
7: At least you know you're important when they bring you a trash
8: can. <laughs> oh <my laughs> you're, God. you're exactly right. But
1: okay. We have to talk about it. Game five. This was a very close game. The entire game, back and forth. And with three and a half seconds left. The Lakers are inbounding to Kobe Bryant.
7: Whatever you do, you cannot let him get his hands on this basketball. And you got to stay down and be disciplined because you know how well he shot fakes. Aaron Dudley defending on Bryant. Both teams are over the foul
8: limit. Odom will throw in. Bryant and comes up short. No!
7: How about one minute, what are you doing? And the next one is like, great shot. What, what a tough, tough play. They did a great job of forcing Kobe Bryant to take a difficult shot and then run our test with the shot.
8: Our test won for his previous eight, including a couple that did not thrill Phil Jackson. He kept them the floor, though. And here's another As
4: fires the Well, it felt like it was over when, when Ron Test put a Kobe airball back up to, to take the lead at the end of the game, in game five. And you watch that and you go, wow. The defense actually got Kobe to take a bad shot, and then all and all this is happening in a tenth of a second in your mind, and then all uh, all you hear in your own head is going, no, no! Like it, it was the it was the most Suns thing ever to happen. Uh, you you have a chance to go up three two, you have a chance to go home and close it out. Uh, it it looks like you could you'd be on the doorstep of the NBA finals and you forget to box out a guy on an airball and he puts it back in and that was you knew it was done Then you knew they were not going to get up off the mat after that that was their chance to win that series and they blew it quite frankly and that was crushing because it, it really so much of that playoff run that season it felt like this was a team that was supposed to win somehow, because it defied a lot of logic what they accomplished, and you just thought, well, it's just going to keep going. You, you you put away the past, you had, you exercise the demons that were the Spurs, and you thought, this is it, it's finally going to happen for Nash and Amari, uh, and and unfortunately, it just did.
1: For Suns fans, it felt like the end, and for all intents and purposes. It was. Despite a heroic effort from Goran Dragic in Game 6, the Lakers eliminated the Phoenix Suns and went on to win the NBA championship. This is not a reason to be sad or cry. This team defied expectations. They defeated all projections at the beginning of the season and proved to be the last run For Steve Nash, one of the greatest point guards of all time, and maybe the greatest Phoenix Sun ever, this team should be celebrated. And hopefully you're celebrating it right now. Wow, that 2009-2010 team was a lot of fun to watch and something that was completely unexpected to have that fun of a season, especially after the expectations that were set for them at the beginning of the year.
5: Yeah, th- this was a really fun episode to make, Mike, and that was just such a fun team to watch. Um, it, and I think it's kind of important, actually, that we made this episode at this time, not just because like it's a quiet portion in the offseason right now where you can really talk about anything, but because I think this sort of has some implications today. Uh, in terms of this, is the type of team that we might be seeing uh, out of our Suns basketball, not too far in the future. That might be uh, that might be me being a little optimistic, but I certainly don't think playoff basketball is too far away uh, from the Suns franchise. And- the last time we made the playoffs really was a special run.
1: More than tell every detail of the story of this season I wanted to uh, bring back the emotions that we felt during that time and I really hope that those emotions return again soon uh, with Devin Booker leading us to the Western Conference Finals and and hopefully beyond. Uh, I do want to thank Greg Esposito, the great Espo, for coming on. He was so good and took a lot of time out of his day to uh, be interviewed by us for this. So, really, thank you, Espo. Make sure you follow him at Espo. Listen to the solar panel, he's on that podcast. And, of course, check out his posts on Bright Side of the Sun. Thank you guys so much. Sam, you got anything else?
5: Nope, that's it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed and stay strong, Suns fans. We're going to be good again soon, one day.